Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Armor Investing Way. I'm Brett Rosenthal, your host and the Chief Investment Officer of what we like to call our virtual hedge fund experience. You are the portfolio manager on the desk. I'm going to share with you a lot of information tonight. It's your job to figure out how it fits into your risk tolerance, your goals, and execute your strategy. Right? So we designed this really for individuals who are self-directing their stock market portfolio. Okay? If you're new to this, if you're a beginner, investing 101, we're going to try to give you the broad strokes and help you decide what is noise out there and what is actionable information to help you build out a strategy. Okay, for those of you who are more involved, are on me on the desk all day, you can see we started this video tonight with a picture there of our live five-day free trial. So if you enjoy what you hear tonight, you want to be part of our virtual hedge fund experience, be on the desk trading with us all day, you can look into that, armorinvesting.com right there. All right. Um, tonight, what we're going to go over is a couple of things and try to break it down into this order, and then we'll go to questions and answers. So feel free to fill up comment section as I go, and I'll get to all of them. We're going to talk about the Russia action this weekend and how it may or may not affect the stock market next week, so what we'll look for. We're going to talk about risk for the big indexes. Have we seen risk change? We like to call it our risk monitor where we're following 10 indexes and we use algorithms designed to give us high probability entry and exit points. Very simple system, red, green, yellow. Okay. Um, We went green about four weeks ago, started putting money to work about five weeks ago. Okay. So we had a nice run. And the question now is after that first pullback, which was this week, have things changed? We'll go over that. Um, Then I'm going to break it down for you into stocks that we're buying, stocks that are in focus on our desk for next week, and stocks that we're watching because they have an impact on the capital that we're managing. We're just going to go through charts together, looking at each one. So you might want to grab a pen and a piece of paper. You can write these things down. And then, of course, you do your own research, your own work on whatever I talk about. So let's dive right in. As always, you know, if you enjoy this conversation and you want to subscribe, you can do it right there to the YouTube channel. Don't forget that. You can always share this video with friends or someone you think could benefit from this. Somebody who is beginning to manage their own assets. They're self-directing their own equity portfolio. And they, they need some guidance. That's what we're here for. Okay. So diving in, let's talk. We're going to talk about Russia in a minute. And, and what that whole charade was over the last 48 hours, it seems, and whether or not it affects the market. But before I do, I want to jump into something that's interesting to me. I want you all to think about as you direct your own assets, you're self-directing, you're building your own portfolios, you're looking for people to listen to. Maybe you're listening to me, maybe you're following guys on Twitter. And what happened to me this weekend is there's, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. I think he's pretty interesting. I have a whole bunch of guys I follow on Twitter. 
And I'm this close to unfollowing. This close. I think he's a good guy, so I haven't unfollowed him yet. But I'm full of consternation from something that he posted. And it makes me just question everything he's talking about. I'm going to ask you a question right now. And I want you to think about it. You don't have to put it in the comment section, but you can if you wish. This is the question I want you to think about tonight. Okay, does the stock market follow the economy or does the economy follow the stock market? What do you, what do you think, you in the back, what do you think the answer is to that question? It's a trick question. It's a trick question. Okay, so this guy that I, I think is a good guy and he posts some fairly interesting things on Twitter, posted an entire discussion, a thread based on the fact that the economy is going down, in his opinion, and the stock market keeps going up, and so the stock market has to go down next. The stock market, in his opinion, is going to go down because the economy is going down. Now, the only individuals watching right now who think that's true, I'm going to forgive you if you're new to this. You're just self-directing your own equity portfolio Maybe this is investing 101 for you, in which case I'm going to give you a gift right now. Grab a pen, piece of paper, write this down, put it above your desk, always remember it. You do not have to worry about the economic cycles and how they might affect the stock market, okay? People will tell you stock market is a leading indicator. That's first of all. So the fact that my friend wrote that is very concerning to me because that's com completely un misunderstanding the situation. But even what they teach you in university is wrong. They're going to teach you the stock market's a leading indicator. Even that's wrong, okay? There's only one thing you need to know if you want to try to understand the direction of the stock market. And that, my friends, is liquidity. Now, this is going to dovetail into our discussion about Russia in a second. But you want to look through the lens of liquidity whenever you're trying to look through a crystal ball of stock market direction. So I could argue with you that my friend on Twitter, my friend, I mean, he's a guy I follow, okay? A guy I follow on Twitter who I thought had his act together, who I'm probably going to unfollow at the end of this discussion, okay? The fact that he thinks because the economy is going lower based on whatever statistics he's looking at, which you know, we could debate that all day long, the stock market has to go down. Shows such a lack of understanding for what drives equities. It's just appalling to me. It's disturbing. It's disappointing. And I think it's what a lot of people read, this, this swill that gets served up on social media. And I suggest you turn it off. Get rid of that noise and just understand one thing. Liquidity drives equities. So I would argue with you, if this guy's right and the economy's tanking, stock market's starting to go up now. You know why? Because behind the scenes, the Fed's adding liquidity to the stock market. Stocks go up when the Fed adds liquidity. Here's a chart for you. I'm just going to throw it up there. Not exactly sized right, I know. S&P performance versus the Fed's QE since the pandemic began. But the key is all the way over here in the far right. 
And what you're going to see is the stock market going up because liquidity is going up. The stock market's going up because liquidity is going up. And it may be because the economy is rolling over and the Fed sees that. I don't know. I don't care. But I am here to tell you, save yourself the time and the money from following people who tell you the opposite because they just don't understand how the market works. All right. There's your investing 101. Now let's move on to – so taking that thought and that prism of looking through the lens of um, liquidity, how do you think the market should act Monday morning could be anything? But let's say going into next week. Let's say there's escalation. Let's say there's fear because of what went on this weekend which I don't want to debate that right now. That's been done ad nauseum. So I'm just saying there was some type of a coup or no coup or fake coup or whatever it was. At the end of the day, fear is going to be up a bit. I start this show at 7 o'clock at night on a Sunday to look at the futures. Looking at futures right here. Futures are actually up right now about two-tenths of a percent. Nothing serious, but not a surprise to me at all. I don't care if there's a coup going on right now. My initial thought would be, and was, if you follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Brett Rosenthal. I typed it out. The market probably goes up because if there's a real problem that's getting worse, there's already a real problem, one that's getting worse in Eastern Europe, central banks are going to be adding liquidity, just like that chart I showed you. And as they add liquidity, equities go up. This is the facts of the case, and they are undisputed. Now, I can't tell you what the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, okay? If it was a real ugly scene right now and civil war breaking out across Russia or something crazy like that, um, treasuries would go up, the U.S. dollar would go up, gold would go up. So follow those three. Let's jump into stocks that are in focus on our desk, stocks to watch that are on our desk for next week, okay? Treasuries. Okay? When there's real fear out there, TLT starts going up. If you don't see long-term U.S. Treasuries rallying, and they look pretty good. Armor Algo says I should be long Treasuries right now, so I'll be curious to see how they open Monday morning. Treasuries should go up if there's fear out there. Gold should stop going down. Gold's broken the uptrend, and it's kind of meandering between the 50 and the 200-day. Okay? Watch gold. Watch Treasuries. They should go up. And what would be really interesting is you'll see gold go up with the dollar. Okay. Now, it is true that Friday, gold, treasuries, and the dollar all went up together. And that was before the news broke about what was going on in Russia. Somebody always knows, right? So there may be a knee-jerk reaction. The market right now, the futures are up a little bit. I, because nobody really, really can understand what's going on in Russia, from what I can gather, okay? But let's say people decide to bring fear into the market. Market will sell off. These three assets will go up, okay? But I submit to you that would be probably short-term in nature because central banks would be flooding the system with cash if fear was really on the rise. All right, so now let's move over to how to run a portfolio and look at the risk monitor and look at the indexes. What are they telling us? about the weakness last week. Does it change the picture? Okay, risk monitor. And I'll just take a look real quick at um, 
the S&P and you could see where the risk monitor went green. These dark, dark, um, this dark green box right here is when the risk monitor went green. Okay. And we were putting money to work right in here when the risk monitor was light green right in here. We were starting to put money to work and then we finished off and put all of our capital to work at the end of that, that bar right in here. Okay. Then the market gapped up, took off and had a couple down days. So what I want to share with you right now is a style of management we follow. Again, um, somebody who is, uh, who is managing their own portfolio, you've just started, you're a beginning investor, you want to try to figure out, okay, I'm going to self-direct my own portfolio. What are some of the things I have to know? Okay. What they'll tell you, what, what your granddad will tell you, is that the best way to invest and diversify risk is to go buy a whole bunch of different stocks. But that's because your granddad lived in a time before ETFs. So that's not really something that makes any sense anymore. You want to go diversify a bunch of stocks, just go buy an ETF and be done with it. Okay? Um, the world has changed dramatically. The next guy sitting around the Mahjong table <laughs> will tell you, Go ahead and split your assets between bonds and stocks. That'll work. And that got blown out of the water last year. That didn't work at all. So what I'll tell you is that the best way to manage risk is to manage through different styles of management. And that's why we focus on day trading, swing trading, and investing on our trading desk. Okay. And again, there's five-day free trial if you wanted to hop on the desk and see how this works in action during the trading day. I'm happy to invite you in. You can join us and, and watch it live. And so what I like to do with my personal assets is break my capital into three pieces. I day trade a third of my portfolio. And all I do is put that capital to work in the indexes, Presume, and, uh, preferably really just the S&P. Every now and then I'll trade the NASDAQ 100. When I do it, I trade triple the index. I put 100% of my capital to work, giving me 300% performance that day. I extract the alpha I can extract, and then I go back to cash, and I'm always sleeping on 30% cash. So no matter what happens, all the craziness going on over the weekend. I already know I'm 30% cash. It doesn't make a difference to me. In fact, weakness Monday morning would be a great opportunity for me to put the money to work and capture upside again. In the last two weeks, we've traded nine times. We've made money on seven of those transactions. Our gains are more than twice our losses. I'm pushing to get into that perfect scenario three times. I want my gains to be triple my losses. That'll require some tweaking, but we're getting close. Then we have our swing portfolio and our investing portfolio. Swing portfolio investing. They, they use the same algorithms to get long an investment. Exit strategy is different. Swing is going to be faster, booking profits faster. Investing, we're trying to stay with a trade as long as we can. And who knows, maybe we wake up 12 months later and we have a huge stock on our hands. But when I diversify like that, hysteria over the weekend like we had this weekend just doesn't impact me the same as somebody over here who's 
following a different path and putting all their capital to work in, you know, whatever, 40 stocks or something, or however they're doing it. It's styles of management that protects capital. All right. So running through the risk monitor, the question is, does Russia change the risk picture? It really doesn't. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm going to be the first person here to tell it like it is all the time with you and I. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have a crystal ball that works. There might be some guys that pretend they do on, I don't know, regular TV, you know, CNBC, to talk about how they know. N- nobody knows. You and I have to be the smart money on our own. And I submit to you, this is how you do it. You have a strategy and you execute it and you turn off all the noise of things you can't possibly know. I don't know what's going to come out of Russia in the next 24 hours. How about the next 10 minutes? I, I don't know. Who, who in their right mind thought there would be a coup that then ended with a dud and they all decided to walk back to where they were? I mean, it was the strangest, it was the strangest 24-hour period I've ever had in my life. Okay, so if that doesn't prove to you that nobody can predict anything that's going on, then I don't know what would. And what you have to do is get rid of all that noise when it comes to running money. The only thing you have to care about is liquidity. The Fed's taking liquidity out of the system. You're in trouble. They're adding liquidity. It's okay. But we don't know that as it's happening. We look back at charts and we say, oh, look, Fed's been adding liquidity for the last three months, even though they're telling people they're raising rates and fighting inflation. Well, this is why the stock market's up. So what we do is we execute strategy. We get long the market. Then we follow the positions up. And when they get stopped out, we raise cash. In my conservative, so you're asking me, the risk monitor changed. Has anything changed from a risk standpoint? And I'm telling you that in my conservative portfolios, I'm carrying 80% cash. Because I exit and follow a faster execution strategy for those portfolios to protect capital. So I hop on, it pops, it starts selling off, stops get hit, I raise cash, I don't reinvest it as fast. So I've been building cash for the last couple of weeks when targets get hit, we book a profit, right? So we had big positions on the indexes. They popped. We reduced the exposure a quarter. Then we reduced it a half. So now we booked half our gains. You see what I'm saying? So if I'm aggressively trading, like a swing trading portfolio, I've already booked a bunch. I've got tons of cash. And I'm waiting for the next opportunity. For an investing portfolio where I try to hold things longer, I've got about 50% cash. And those are portfolios that do not use day trading. So those are just the other two portfolios, swing trading, investing, if that's all you do. I'm somewhere between 50 to 80% cash right now. The risk monitor has not changed. Let's go look at the charts now. But I would say what would get it to change would be a weekly close below key support levels. And throughout the week, let's say it's this week, let's say things get really ugly. During that time, before it goes red, I'll be raising more cash because stops will get hit on individual positions. And you can join us on the desk again. If you want to join us, feel free. We'd love to have you. Okay, there you go. It's a free trial, five-day free trial. You can watch us execute as we go. Okay, armor investing slash free trial. Um, So... The risk monitor it will, will not change until the weekly goes negative. 
But if it gets ugly, rest assured we'll be booking our profits. So let's just dive in real quick. Um, and I, I would just say for anybody who's really concerned and, oh, my God, the market look, looks like it's imploding and blah, 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 I say just put away, put away the crystal ball and just look at, what's be, look at the behavior of the market. This is a major uptrend with a five-day sell-off to the 14-day moving average. Is that really egregious? I mean, if you can't stomach a, a pullback to the 14-day moving average, this is the 25-day, the red one, the black is the 50 the green is the 200 exponential, and then this is the, the final 200 standard moving average. So the market's had a nice run, and it's had a pullback to the most aggressive moving average. The risk monitor would not go red because of that. We'd have to get at the very least a breakdown below the 25-day, and that would be an aggressive, aggressive risk monitor. I'd have to see other things imploding to get me out at that point. But honestly, it's the 50-day moving average that's the real stop. The S&P can walk up the 50, and it gets away from the 50, and then it comes back to it. Let's look at the Dow. Tried to break out, sold off. It's holding the 50-day moving average. All right, so what would happen is, since we follow these 10 indexes, let's call them really you know, the 10th index is the, is, the, is the treasury market. So that's a little bit different. But let's look at the equity indexes, okay? Really, it's seven equity, eight, nine. There's nine equity indexes that really matter and that are part of the risk monitor. And so what will happen to get it to go red is that a bunch will start to fail and break below their moving averages. So the Dow stopped right at the 50. So there's nothing for me to change there. Small caps are the weakest. They broke below the 200, but they're still above the 50. It's still above the stop. So we give it another day. But that would be the first to go probably out of the portfolio. Maybe because Janet Yellen was talking this week about how there's going to have to be more bank mergers while the Fed keeps raising rates. So she's, she's telling people there's still things wrong with the banking sector. And banks make up financials, small cap financials make up about 20%, 25% of this index. So it, has, it holds a huge sway. Okay, NASDAQ 100 looks great. Again, it's just pulled back to the 14-day moving average. There's just nothing to see there. Even the equally weighted NASDAQ 100, it's on the 25-day, and it's on a very tight stop, but closed above the stop. Honestly, before the risk monitor would go red, it would be down here. These stops you're looking at is where I'd book a profit on something. All right, so it pops, and I wouldn't let it go below the 25-day, but a move down to the 50 wouldn't get me to go risk monitor red. That would just be normal. We already looked at the S&P, which looks really good. And here's the equally weighted S&P with a lot of financials in it. And that's five down days in a row. It looks pretty ugly. But again, sitting right on top of the 50, the 200, and on the 25-day moving average. So there's just no change here. This was our risk on entry, the breakout, and the pullback. There's always a test. Here's the value index, which is, again, a lot of small cap banks that look terrible. And then here's the... IBD 50, which is kind of like your ARC innovative list. So when you, here's the mid cap just for the fun of it. Even the mid cap's holding up. Okay, so to wrap up this segment of the conversation, there's nothing wrong with the stock market. It can have a, a, a pullback for a given week after a nice run. And so it's kind of what happens next. And instead of me having a crystal ball guessing about the economy or Russia or any of these things, 
We just avoid all that noise here. Okay, there is no smart money. Nobody knows the answer to that question. So we got to be the smart money on our own. And when you're self-directing your own stock market portfolio, you got to make these decisions on your own. You have to get rid of all that noise and just execute a strategy. And for us, the strategy is simple. When those indexes are all in uptrends and all above the key moving averages, risk monitor is green. Now, we've still raised a lot of cash because we're managing individual positions. We book profits along the way. Okay. And depending on what happens next week, we'll either get rid of the rest of our positions, risk monitor goes red, and we made some money on a very, in a very difficult market, okay? Or the market holds up here, reverses, and starts to go higher, and we take our cash and put it back to work. And now let's talk about that. Where will we put the cash back to work? And then I'm going to get to your questions. So now we're going to talk about stocks to buy and stocks that are in focus on our desk that we may buy next week, okay? So some of these we already own. Some we may buy depending on our algorithm. So everything we do here we, what that drives our, our, our decisions when it comes to investing or swing trading, we use our algorithms to tell us when to put capital to work. And then we use a strategy, a probability, a statistical strategy of when to protect capital and when to let it run. We do all the fundamental research. We use a whiteboard for that. We say, okay, here are all of our favorite names. And when the algo tells us it's time, we put money to work. Okay. And the difference between swing trading and investing is very important. And what we want to try to do, and this is another reason why we like to, to, to day trade, swing trade, and invest all different strategies. You really can learn from some and apply what you learn to others. So when it comes to our day trading, one of the reasons we're so successful there is that we focus on high probability entry points when rewards worth risk and we don't trade anything else. And we use a very aggressive stop strategy on the way up because when we hit it at these high probability entries, they never challenge the stops we're using. We have a stop strategy and they just keep going bang, 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 bang. And when they challenge the stop and we book our final profit, very often the market's done going up. So we could take that strategy and I think apply it to swing trading which means you'd be much more aggressive booking profits I haven't done that recently I've given back a little more than I normally would I shouldn't say normally would I've given back more than I want in that swing portfolio and I think it's key to really notice when you hit it right on a swing trade they rip higher they don't give you trouble I'll give you an example the best example is probably Tesla. We put Tesla on right here. It just skyrocketed. I mean, it had two quite, you know, kind of sideways days in an unreal move. And your objective and my objective should be finding investments like that and avoiding everything else. So when stops are hit, it tells you that that's not unfolding. What is that right there? That's institutional flows of capital coming in aggressively. And, you know, here's another, you know, here's another example, right? I mean, this is just a walking up uptrend. This is, you know, meta platforms. This is walking up. I don't know who's going to win that cage match, but I want to own both stocks. Anyway, that's just something for you to think about. Let's go over some of the um, charts of the week, you know, that are in our portfolio that I think, should, you know, what I would call stocks to buy, right? So 
MDB is one of my favorites. I did a video about this. Okay, so consider subscribing to uh, our uh, our, uh, our YouTube channel, and you'll see a video I did about MDB on Friday. So I'm not going to go over it all right now. But suffice it to say, this is a chart pattern I love, and the fundamentals are explosive. Now, grab your pen and piece of paper. Just jot these down. You can do your own research on this. Um, before you enter any type of order, your job is to do research on things. And if you're listening to me or anybody else out there and you're self-directing your portfolio, you need to always do your own work and make sure it suits your risk tolerance. We've been long Uber for a while, and Uber looks just phenomenal to me. It looks like it's going to break out again, having broken a major downtrend. Uber's got a long way to go if I'm right. Okay, and with that, funny, Airbnb. Airbnb and Uber tend to go together, and Airbnb is a little bit behind there, but it's the same type of theme. We'll see if it works. We bought it down in here. It's popped up, but it hasn't run away yet. Okay? There are not many cybersecurity stocks that are working, but Fortinet looks like a stock that should be owned in here. And it had a, we bought it in here. It broke out, pulled back with the market sitting right on top of the 14-day moving average, and that red line in there is our stop. So, you know, all of these things come with stops for us. Don't forget that. Hey, guys, don't forget that. Whenever I share an idea with you on a night like tonight or any day, everything I'm buying comes with a stop. I don't force my will on the market. You shouldn't either. doesn't matter how great I think a stock is. What you're watching right now, the Armor Investing Channel, the show you're watching tonight, this is the anti-hodl crowd, right? I do not ever hold on for dear life, ever. That's a recipe for disaster. So no matter how great I think an idea is, I don't force my will on the market. I use stops to protect myself. I'm sharing with you ideas and chart patterns that I think look good with good fundamentals, and then we have to see if I'm right. Do your own homework and use stops. Okay, and then I'll round out stocks to buy here is Monster. Uh, you know, I should have been on CELH. I'm not, and I kind of regret it as um, I actually drink more Celsius than I do Monster. Celsius is blowing out. It would have paid for all of my, uh, all of my, all of my Celsius cans in my cupboard. Anyway, uh, I really like uh, Monster. That chart is just beautiful to me. This is a huge reverse head and shoulders pattern then a pennant on top of it and a breakout, and this is the follow-on entry point. And what's going on here is really, you know, it, they already dominate their segment, and now they're expanding internationally. That's the story there. All right, let's move over to stocks um, in focus on our desk that we might be buying next week. Google, okay, I've already owned it. I bought it down here. It popped, and we booked a profit. It's pulling back. It's holding the 25-day I'm very keen on getting on uh, a Google again. I actually traded it on Friday. We bought it right in here, and, and we just flipped it out for a quick gain. But So I was day trading it here. We put on a buy stop right in here off of this setup. You're looking at a three-minute chart now. And then we ended up booking profits up here. I just didn't like how the market ended the day, so I figured, no, I'll take a gain. But I'd like to get on Google again. Um, I think HubSpot, boy, this was a really interesting story to me. And a tight, nice, tight pattern. Um, I'm a big fan of Unity. You can go look at the videos. Again, I did a whole discussion about this 
4 o'clock every day at the end of the market, I do a video. I try to do a five-minute video for you of the number one stock on our trading desk. And um, it's just to highlight things for you to do your own research on. Unity was one of them. It's just barely holding above the stop. But if it holds above that stop, I'm going to want more of that position. I'm gonna, probably going to add to it. And I'll round out with IoT. I, I think IoT is a huge, huge stock. It announced earnings. It blew them out. It blew out seasonality. The stock skyrocketed. I had to be patient. I was patient. It's coming back down. It's going to challenge the that one of these moving averages, it's already below the 14-day. Maybe it's the 25, maybe it's the 50, somewhere in here. And then I'll be buying the move, just like MDB. Same type of story as MDB. Blowing out seasonality, gap up, consolidation. I'm catching the follow-on trade. Okay? So those are my thoughts for today. I hope you found them helpful. And I am here for you now for a little Q&A. Anything you got for me. Um, feel free to shout out. I'm happy to go over it. Hey, Casey, how are you, man? Hope you're having a good weekend. You're welcome, my friend. Bitcoin. Cocoa reminds her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shoot. I. Um, all right, let's go over it. So um, I say shoot about Cocoa because... Uh, <laughs> I let my own opinions get in the way of trading that, and that was a mistake. I don't like the product, and so I didn't do it, which is ridiculous, because that's like one of these perfect um, new issue chart patterns that's set up. And then when it blew out right here, I should have been long. I, I just blew that. I mean, I can't chase it now, but I, I'm totally with you on that, KC. Coco, th this is actually another reason to buy Monster to me, because you could see Coco... CELH, Monster, there's a group move going on in these types of beverages, and group moves are always the most po powerful moves in the stock market. So um, Bitcoin, we talked about it on the desk this week, and we do have a risk on entry point following the algo, okay? And I just, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what to, to make of Bitcoin, um, but you're asking me the question. So the, our algos told us to get long right here. Day two of this rally, we wanted to put on a long position on Bitcoin. And then it went up for the last couple of days. It's down a little bit right now. But um, we were debating on our desk this week, KC, you know, um, People are talking about how bullish it is that there are other, like BlackRock and whomever, who are going to come out with um, Bitcoin ETFs. And I know that the first blush, that seems bullish. And I'm, I'm not saying you can't put these the Bitcoin up for a moment. But I think the worst thing that ever happened to Bitcoin were futures and options and ETFs. These just siphon off real buyers of the asset for fake manipulators of the asset. I know this because I'm a precious metals investor and have been since 2005, okay? And it's just the worst thing that happened to gold and silver were GLD and SLV. I mean, it's been documented without a shadow of a doubt, right, that there's more created than there actually is gold in the vault. <laughs> I mean, right? So 
I, I get that it's going up right now in the excitement, but I just don't know how sustainable that is. And I think people, and I think maybe this is the number one takeaway. I'm not saying it can't go up, but I would say anybody that comes out with like astronomical prices for Bitcoin doesn't realize that the playing field has changed. Bitcoin skyrocketed when there were no futures, no options. It was, it was, it was not a mainstream media idea. There was no ETF, and there was only one place to go when you wanted to own Bitcoin. You went out and you bought it. You put it in cold storage or whatever. And then it became easy access for everybody to do it, and that was great. And it went to the moon because a lot of guys pounded the table on it, even though that was a mistake. And then it cratered. And so now we have the next move coming. But there's like, you know, I, I mean, I, we had debates about this on our desk. And there's guys that are long Bitcoin have been from an early time. So they're more right than me. They've made money on Bitcoin, right? All I do is trade it. I, I trade it every now and then. So they would argue that this is wildly bullish for Bitcoin. And I, I, you know, I just come up neutral. I just, we'll see. So, uh, SMCI. I had a discussion about SMCI also. This was interesting. So, this is um, I'm glad you brought this one up. I've totally revamped my whiteboard. I changed it completely this week. I rearranged everything. And I admitted to myself that when I put money to work, all I want to invest in at this moment in time are generative AI stories and innovation. I am always an innovation first investor. I always have been doing this over 30 years, way before Kathy Wood came out. <laughs> I love innovation and it's where I've made the most amount of money in my career. And so at the end of the day, every investment decision for me and for you as well should come down to this. I can buy asset A. I can buy asset B. One has unlimited upside. The other is cyclical. Which one do you want to invest in? It's got nothing to do with risk because you're going to put on a position and use a stop loss if you are listening to anything I ever say. Okay, so it's not a question of how much money you might lose. You're not a holder. Maybe the average loss comes in anywhere between five and 10 percent on a position. I don't know where it is. Depends on your stop loss. Okay, somewhere between five and 10 percent should be your stop average on average. Some are going to be smaller. Some are going to be a little bit bigger. On average, you're going to be around five or 10 percent. So the loss is always going to be the same. So at the end of the day, when you put dollar one to work in an investment, what I ask you and I ask myself is, do I want to put it in something with an open-ended growth potential, or do I want to put it in something that's manipulated and capped? I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, um, I'm answering the question for you. It's rhetorical. I think everybody can see it. But I, but, and, and yet, people spend a lot of time investing in things like steel companies and auto companies and all these kinds of things. And can, forget about Tesla. Tesla is an innovative company. I own Tesla. That's not a car company. That's innovation. Okay? So what I'm saying is, can you make money in steel? Can you make money in energy? Can you make money in precious metals? Hey, man, I trade precious metals. That's in my swing portfolio. But in my investing portfolio, when I'm putting money to work to invest, 
I want open-ended upside. That gets us to the question of supercomputers. So I rebuilt the, 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 our, on our website, our insiders, you can go look at the website and check it out. I redid the, the whiteboard. And I broke it down into generative AI and innovative stories, okay? And there, from a generative AI point of view, there's the builders of AI, there's the beneficiaries of AI, and then there's the AI companies that are built as applications on top of AI. So I'll give you an example. Simple. NVIDIA is a builder of AI, right? Adobe is a beneficiary of AI. They don't have a product just for AI, but AI is exponentially changing the business model for them. Oracle, MongoDB. These are companies that are already doing something, and now generative AI has come along and blown out their business model. It's so exciting. Those are beneficiaries. And then you have application-specific, Samsara, IoT, UiPath, PATH. These are companies that are a little more risky because they're trying to carve out a brand-new area Right? It's more risky than owning Adobe that's going through a massive surge because AI is changing the picture for them. Okay? Because Adobe already has a great book of business. MongoDB already has a great book of business. And now because of what's going on in AI, it's blowing it out. Okay? But if I'm going to go look at Samsara, they're, all, they're, they're an application designed with generative AI. Do you see what I'm saying? So these are the way that things break down. You can go look at the website. Um, and, and, and I asked my insiders, give me something I've missed. Like, what's not on this whiteboard for us to do research? And one of the questions was supercomputer. And I haven't done the research yet, so I'm going to get to it. But um, I, I've just done a cursory glance at it. And I generally don't buy companies that are like contract manufacturers. Now, obviously, I'm, I mean, the stock's gone 50 to 250, so... You, I should have been there already. But the question is, where is it going to be now? This is like, to me, a cyclical story. Unless there's a moat around the business, that would be different. That intellectual property where nobody could do what they're doing and all of the big guys, AMD and NVIDIA, work with them to put together the product, then it's got to be on my list and I got to look for opportunities and maybe the stock's going to go to a thousand, right? But if they're in the right place at the right time building things, but then what they do can be duplicated by people in Taiwan or wherever, then they've got a bit of a, a problem going forward. And I don't know the answer to that, so I have to do research on it. It's a long answer to your question. Hey, Dennis, how are you, man? What am I drinking? <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Today was a momentous day for me, okay? I've been an ice hockey player my whole life. All right. I still play. I love it. It's like a major part of my life. And my son, who's now nine, you know, I didn't want to push him into it. Obviously, I want to watch him play because it's fun, but I want to push him into it. I want to do what makes him happy, his thing. And so finally, we got to the point where he kept asking me. I decided I'm not going to drag him to the rink. If he, he has to ask me repeatedly during the week, can we go? Can we go? Can we go? All right, I'll start taking him to the rink. Right. So anyway, today was the first day where he actually got into a game and he was playing the game and it was just so much fun to watch. I mean, honestly, I said to my wife, you know, I'm getting emotional. It's like an emotional moment. 
And it took us, you know, probably six to 12 months to, to get here because I really wanted to get him. Maybe it took us six months. We did it faster than I thought, but I, I wanted to get him to be a really good skater before he ever stepped on the ice with a stick. So um, anyway, <laughs> super dead. <laughs> this is from Father's Day. This is a, a little chai tea tonight, actually. A little chai tea. Nice to see you, Dennis. Um, all right. Deb, hey, Deb, how are you? Nice to see you. Share your thoughts on dividend investing. Oh, div- uh, dividend reinvesting or not. Um, well, I guess the bottom line is I don't do it. But I- I'm not sure there's anything wrong with it. There's pros and cons to it, Deb. And I, I you know, I, I always... Um, I guess I don't. I guess I'd, I'd like to see the dividends hit my account, and then I make a decision on where I want to go. I'm not sure I want it to be reinvested in that stock, you know. So I've never done it. I mean, like if I own AT&T and the stock's going down, down. First of all, I'd be stopped out of it. But let's say I'm losing money in a dividend in the stock. I don't want to put money back into it. I'd rather just let it collect and think about when I want to put that capital to work. So I'm more hands-on. You know, but for somebody who wants to turn it on and walk away, I can see the benefits of it if it's the right, if it's the right asset. You know, maybe like a utility stock, like literally Duke or Southern Company or something like that. I don't know. Um, I'm still looking, by the way, at, at um, Deb, we talked about it last week. I've looked at, you know, um, AT&T and Verizon, and I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I'd like to own them. I just think they're, they're just stupid down here. I don't understand. How could they be this cheap? Um, I know all the problems, but they're already in the stock. So it just feels like, God, sometime at some point down here, these are my three biggest names that I'd like to own, IBM, AT&T, and Verizon. But every time, every time I listen to a conference call, it's such a cluster, you know what, that I just don't buy them. And they, don't, they haven't gone anywhere. And let's be honest, Deb, we're getting five-plus percent in U.S. Treasury bills. So I'd be more inclined to chase after them if we were at zero interest rates. But at 5% and climbing, which is my safe money, I I put my safe money in the dividends. And right now, my safe money is collecting over 5%. I I don't know if I need a dividend stock. You, You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's where I'm at. Curtis, great question. ENVX. Okay. So let me show you the chart on ENVX, all right? And you can see my red line in here, okay? So when the stock broke below the wet red line, which was two days ago, I guess it was Thursday, we, we exited the position. I don't know if I still have it on this. This is this, the three-minute chart, okay? Whoops. Okay, so I think it was, I think it was, I think it was on that. Um, I, I think I actually exited it here. I got out on this day right there. Okay, so um, I put the oops, that's not what I wanted to do. I put the capital to work for reasons that you you are aware. I spoke to you about it. I think it's a great idea, but there's two things you want you need to realize, Curtis. Number one, I always use stops. So when it hits a stop, I get out and then I reassess. And if I still like the idea and it sets up again using my algorithm, I'll put the trade back on. Okay, now the algorithms I talk about. 
for trading swing trading stocks, they're going to be most accurate on the biggest indexes and on the biggest stocks that are most liquid, right? Maybe we're going to be somewhere in the vicinity of seven out of 10 on those entry points, meaning we buy it. It goes up enough for us to raise the stop to break even and book a profit. That's what that means. It doesn't mean we make a fortune on seven out of 10 stocks. It just means I can get my money to work. It can go up enough to raise the break even and book a small profit or whatever. Okay. On a stock like this, if we're 50, 50, that's, that's a win. Seriously on a small cap stock like this on micro cap stocks, when you're swing trading, you, you, you're, not, you're not looking for high rates of accuracy. You're looking for this could be the right entry. And unless I use the stops correctly, 50-50 is not going to work, right? So I have to cut my losses quick until I capture the move that skyrockets. That's how I attach, uh, I attack a situation like this, okay? So Because this is all on the come, let's be honest. They're losing money. They're burning through cash, all these types of things we already talked about. The only way this trade works is if we're in the right stock market that's paying you to take that kind of risk. Last week wasn't that week. So I've been lifted out of the position and I'm reassessing. I may be right back in it next week. It's at the top of my whiteboard. I think it's a cool idea. Nothing's changed fundamentally. But the stock didn't follow through on the breakout. And I'm not a holder. Um. Oh, he's so similar. So Casey says he, fa- he follows a similar approach to strategy and whiteboard. Innovative plays are always the best wealth builders. Yeah. Learned a great deal. Oh, I appreciate that, Casey. Listen, guys, let's end on that lovely note from, uh, from Casey. I appreciate it. There's Adobe. Just take a look at it real quick. I appreciate your time as always, ladies and gentlemen. On this. Unless you have one quick question or something, you can ask it while I'm just chatting with you here, but I'll try to get to it. As always, guys, um, subscribe right down here to the YouTube channel. You can also subscribe, if you'd like, to the Armor Report, the Armor Investing Way. We have subscriptions for both. The Armor Report is really for individuals who are self-directing their portfolio but can't be on the desk all day, that's our Armor Report subscription. And if you want to join us on the desk all day and follow our strategy step-by-step, then the Armor Investing way is for you. Um, Share this channel if you like. You can always subscribe, like I said. I appreciate all your time with us. And guess what? We've done this. We've created for you a five-day free trial. If you want to join us and see what it's like to be on the desk Feel free to do that. I look forward to working with all you guys. Um, Armor Insiders, bright and early, 845. We'll get the morning meeting going, see what the market's doing at the open and how we want to react to it. I wish all of you a great Sunday night, and I'll see you next week. Or don't forget, subscribe to this channel, because during the week I do some five-minute real quick videos of what are the top stocks on our desk that day, or really the number one chart. Um, that's um, that's been on our trading desk that way. Have a great night, everybody.